Living in the presence of God. Swami Kriyananda wrote, Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 25, we read of a king, capitalized, for the references to God, who welcomes certain devotees to the divine consciousness, saying, I was and hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. The elect asked him when it was they had served him in these ways, and the king answered, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. To see God as residing in every human being, as indeed he does, is to open oneself to limitless opportunities for serving him. Paramahansa Yogananda, in Autobiography of a Yogi, described a saint who lived in this consciousness as, quote, the greatest man of humility I ever knew. He described a seemingly chance encounter with this saint. Another day found me walking alone near the Howrah Railroad Station. I stood for a moment by a temple, silently criticizing a small group of men with drum and cymbals who were violently reciting a chant. How undevotionally they used the Lord's divine name in mechanical repetition, I reflected. My gaze was astonished by the rapid approach of Master Mahashai. Sir, how come you here? The saint, ignoring my question, answered my thought. Isn't it true, little sir, that the beloved's name sounds sweet from all lips, ignorant and wise? He passed his arm around me affectionately. I found myself carried on his magic carpet to the merciful presence. If you would see God, watch for him everywhere. If you would hear his voice, listen for it in all sounds and also in their supporting silences. If you would know God, seek his wisdom behind merely human knowledge. The Bhagavad Gita in the sixth chapter states, One who beholds my presence everywhere and all things dwelling equally in me, he never loses loving sight of me, nor I of him through all eternity. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. I'd like to begin with a poem of Yogananda's, and this actually today is from Songs of the Soul. And it's entitled, Breathe in Me. Breathe in me the way to love you, that I may learn to faultlessly love you. Pour me the wisdom wine by which I become intoxicated with you. Whisper in my ears of silence the way to be with you always. 
Speak to my wandering senses and lead them back to your sanctuary within. Call the marauding mind and counsel it how to retrace its steps to your home. With your silent eyes, just look at me and I will know where to find you. You may hide behind the ocean. You may hide behind delusion. You may hide behind life. You may hide behind dualities. You may hide behind theological conundrums. You may hide behind unanswered prayers. But you cannot hide behind my love. For in the mirroring light of my love, you are revealed. Our subject today is a great one, living in the presence of God. And hearing this topic, we might think that it means living in physical proximity to the avatar, to the guru, to the God-realized master, the saint, the enlightened teacher. And certainly this would be true and is a great blessing and a great grace. But in these readings, Yogananda is drawing our attention through the Bible, through the Gita, to the reality that living in the presence of God means living in the consciousness of God. Wherever we are, whatever circumstance we're being confronted with, whomever we're with, to be holding that consciousness. And indeed, we are living in the presence of God in as much as this is his creation. Everything we see, everything uh, we do, everything, everyone with whom we are with and spend time with, or a mere acquaintance, is all a part of God. And yet, it is challenging to hold that truth and that reality in our... Week 50, Living in the Presence of God. Swami Kriyananda wrote, Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 25, we read of a king, capitalized, for the references to God, who welcomes certain devotees to the divine consciousness, saying, I was and hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. The elect asked him when it was they had served him in these ways, and the king answered, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. To see God as residing in every human being, as indeed he does, is to open oneself to limitless opportunities for serving him. Paramahansa Yogananda, in Autobiography of a Yogi, described a saint who lived in this consciousness as, quote, the greatest man of humility I ever knew. He described a seemingly chance encounter with this saint. Another day found me walking alone near the Howrah Railroad Station. I stood for a moment by a temple 
silently criticizing a small group of men with drum and cymbals who were violently reciting a chant. How undevotionally they used the Lord's divine name in mechanical repetition, I reflected. My gaze was astonished by the rapid approach of Master Mahashai. Sir, how come you here? The saint, ignoring my question, answered my thought. Isn't it true, little sir, that the beloved's name sounds sweet from all lips, ignorant and wise? He passed his arm around me affectionately. I found myself carried on his magic carpet to the merciful presence. If you would see God, watch for him everywhere. If you would hear his voice, listen for it in all sounds and also in their supporting silences. If you would know God, seek his wisdom behind merely human knowledge. The Bhagavad Gita in the sixth chapter states, One who beholds my presence everywhere and all things dwelling equally in me, he never loses loving sight of me, nor I of him through all eternity. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. like to begin with a poem of Yogananda's, and this actually today is from Songs of the Soul. And <clears throat> it's entitled, Breathe in Me. Breathe in me the way to love you, that I may learn to faultlessly love you. Pour me the wisdom wine by which I become intoxicated with you. Whisper in my ears of silence the way to be with you always. Speak to my wandering senses and lead them back to your sanctuary within. Call the marauding mind and counsel it how to retrace its steps to your home. With your silent eyes, just look at me and I will know where to find you. You may hide behind the ocean. You may hide behind delusion. You may hide behind life. You may hide behind dualities. You may hide behind theological conundrums. You may hide behind unanswered prayers. But you cannot hide behind my love. For in the mirroring light of my love, You are revealed. Our subject today is a great one, living in the presence of God. And hearing this topic, we might think that it means living in physical proximity to the avatar, to the guru, to the God-realized master, the saint, the enlightened teacher, And certainly this would be true and is a great blessing and a great grace. But in these readings, Yogananda is drawing our attention through the Bible, through the Gita, to the reality that living in the presence of God means living in the consciousness of God. Wherever we are, 
whatever circumstance we're being confronted with, whomever we're with, to be holding that consciousness. And indeed, we are living in the presence of God in as much as this is his creation. Everything we see, everything uh, we do, everything, everyone with whom we are with and spend time with, or a mere acquaintance, is all a part of God. And yet, it is challenging to hold that truth and that reality in our being at all times. We look at this world and maya is constructed, cosmic delusion is constructed to draw our attention, to draw our hearts outside of the self. And so we see things, we look at things, and we wonder, are they really God? Is God really there? There's two points I really want to address this morning, and they are uh, living at our center in God within and experiencing life at its center in God. A number of uh, uh, pilgrimages ago, I think it was probably one of my first to India, and we were with Devi Mukherjee. He has since uh, passed on. His wife now lives in Calcutta and still in their home. And we were with him, and he was sharing a story uh, about his early days on the path. And this was before he met his wife, Hashi. And he was a young monk, and his spiritual teacher would oftentimes take him and some of the other monks to the Howrah railway station, the one mentioned in the reading this morning. And for those of you who haven't been there It's really quite something. It's a sea, a vast sea of humanity. And every aspect of life beyond what you can imagine goes on there. And truly, it's it's no exaggeration. Birth, life, survival, death, it all happens at this place. And it's happening all of the time, 24 hours a day, and it's it's bustling and the smells are intense and the the sounds are intense and, and just very loud and lively and full of life atmosphere. And so uh, Davy's spiritual teacher, he would take them there, some of the monks there, and he would sit them down and he would have them meditate there right in the thick of it for hours, hours on end. And we asked Davy, what was it like? You know, because here we were in, in all of this commotion, seeing it through our own eyes and smelling it and feeling it and experiencing it. And he said it was challenging, very challenging, but very good practice. And, you know, Yogananda, he would oftentimes say, where motion ceases, God begins. And we have that experience in meditation of starting to feel stillness and experience stillness. And that's really what draws us and holds us in that divine center, frequenting that stillness where motion ceases, God begins. Most of this life I have lived in an urban setting, relatively speaking, uh, maybe not the biggest city on the planet, but in an urban environment. And you see things and you experience things uh, more frequently by the sheer fact that there are numbers in cities There are numbers, there are thousands, there are millions, and you're up against people who don't necessarily live in the way you do by the sheer fact that so many people are congregated in an urban environment. And so most of my life I've lived 
in that setting. And something like going to the market can be an extreme challenge, truly. And, you know, you can be just trying to get your groceries and you can have the experience of a parent screaming at their kids. I mean, violently screaming at their child. You can have an experience of a husband or wife yelling at the other person. And this is why you should shop at Master's Market. (laughs) This is one really good reason, if you can. And uh, but truly, you you're, you're confronted with things that that uh, you know we take for granted. Our spiritual family we take for granted a sattvic, a, a an elevating spiritually elevating environment. But in in the city, you can uh, you can you know you can look at someone and just say, I know God must be there, but how can God possibly be in this individual? And you can see. You can see violence. You can experience tragic circumstances. You can uh, see things that um, none of us should really have to have to experience. But there it is. And you know, how do we find that place within us that allows us to respond appropriately? I remember the first time that I observed poverty. You know, extreme poverty, and just wondering how can. How can it be like this for someone? How can their situation be so different, so vastly different than my very own? And we're left to either fall into uh, some kind of mood or negative reflection or perhaps anger or we're left to try to draw on that living presence within our being. And if we can hold to that center, that center that we try to frequent in meditation, if we can try to feel that divine presence, we will know how to act. It doesn't mean that we necessarily have to interface physically with that circumstance, but maybe we can just send a very powerful prayer that can be felt within that person or realized within that person, either in that moment or somewhere down the line. And and this is where it begins, is in that stillness. And the more that we can frequent it, even if for a little bit in meditation, we cultivate the strength and the habit of going there. That's what living in the presence is. It's not about, it, it is about being close to the masters, whether it be in physical proximity, but most especially in consciousness, being in there, in their vibration. I remember uh, my first time in uh, Assisi visiting the Port Siankala. And a beautiful place of pilgrimage, a place where St. Francis spelt time, uh, spent time. And many wonderful and inspiring stories associated with that. And Francis would go out from there with the brothers, all times of year and all manner of climate. Again, situations hard for us to really relate to and imagine, the cold, the snow, and, and very simply clad. And him and the other brothers would wander through the countryside and just try to share spirit. And on one occasion, it was around Christmas time, and he was just with a couple of the other brothers. And they went into one of the villages, and some of the villagers gathered with them, and Francis said, let's celebrate Christmas. And they created together this little manger, reenacting that moment of the nativity and the birth of Christ and they placed straw there, and they got some animals, and someone came forth with a 
a doll. Maybe it was made out of wood or what have you, straw in those days. And Francis took that doll, symbolic of the Christ child, and held it and felt the divine presence. And he placed that doll in the manger and he saw and experienced the living child. It was real to him. It wasn't just this outward enactment. It was real and it was true. And he was in that presence and he was in that stillness and in that divine eternal moment. And to go there and to frequent that, that's the blessing and the grace of this time of year. Nishala Nakulala, they led a beautiful meditation yesterday, our alternate Christmas meditation. And if you can take the time for that, those of you who are viewing online, if you can go to a nearby colony or one of the centers and have this Christmas meditation, have longer, deeper meditations and frequent that space. Others will help you to frequent that space and you'll help others to frequent that consciousness by being there yourselves. Mother Teresa said, it is not enough to serve Jesus. This is what she said to her sisters. We have to belong to him. And that's to be with God in that divine consciousness, to frequent that consciousness and to just keep trying to go there. It doesn't matter if you think you can't meditate, if you haven't had good seclusions, haven't had good meditations for a while. We enter into those rhythms. They are what they are. Who cares? It just is. And we've just got to go on. We've got to go forward. We've got to try that next meditation and think and know that it's quite possible. Divine Mother is going to be there. Divine Mother is going to come to us in that experience. In this reading, when it says, the king welcomed the devotees into his consciousness, it wasn't just because of what they did. It wasn't because they fed a starving person, they visited someone in prison. They, you know, it wasn't the act. It was the consciousness within that act. It was the consciousness while doing that act of holding God in one's consciousness. Yogananda said, we are never too busy. We can never be too busy to hold that mental thought of God in our consciousness to hold that longing for God in our hearts. I remember a number of years ago, Anant and I were invited to a baptism. And it was at another um, uh, church than our own. So it was a ceremony very unfamiliar to me, um, really quite uh, celebratory um, and just very different. And I found myself uh, beginning to wonder at the whole situation. There was a lot of loudness and commotion and, and all kinds of things. But the minute those thoughts started to come in, I didn't want to have them. You know, this was something that was really sacred to this individual. Whether they were going to stay with it or not, I don't know. But it was something that they were doing, a step that they were taking to confirm something in that moment of time for themselves. So when I started to feel that, I just, I didn't want it in my consciousness. I wanted to be present so that I could support and give to that. And I didn't know what to do because everything outside of me was, again, just so different. I don't need to go into it, but unfamiliar. And 
I began to listen to the words of the music and music that I'm not familiar with and is probably not my favorite kind of music, even though spiritual in its intent. But I began to just glean some of the words that were familiar to me, that were universal, that were God-reminding. And I just held to those words and started to sing those words and be in those words. And it became instantly the most moving experience living in that presence, irregardless of circumstance. Even in a spiritual setting, our mind can do its little thing and try to judge the event or question the integrity or whatever it is. I, it just, this stuff comes from God knows where. It's, it's, it's truly comes from God, but it's that part of God that is Maya, that is the delusion, just trying to, do you really feel my presence? Can you really feel it in all circumstances? Can you really be in that vibration? And so to hold that energy and once having experienced that energy, to try to be a channel for that energy. Again, in Assisi, one of my first visits to the Port Siankala, there was a long line of people entering there. And I wasn't raised in the Catholic tradition, but there is a, and I, I think this is typical, but again, I wouldn't know from firsthand experience, but there was this little receptacle there with water in it. And you, you come up and you take that water and you bless yourself and you enter into the church. And so there was this long line of people and I was behind a nun, uh, a woman in the Franciscan order. And after she took that water without blessing herself, she turned around and she waited for me to hold out my hands and she put that water in my hands for me to bless myself with. And I was so touched by that because it was, to me, it was sharing her joy, sharing her experience sharing her the presence that she felt of God with me, but beyond me with everybody. And that, to, to choose to be a channel, to choose to be a channel for that presence, it's not something that we just can claim for ourselves. Living in the presence of God, it's, it's supremely important to our own realization, but it's especially important if we're to help others. It's especially important if we're to give anybody anything in a deep way. And so to share those experiences when we have them, when we feel God's presence, to not just cling to that ourselves, however wonderful it is, but to give that and to share that. Swamiji said recently, it's not enough to give the teachings. We have to give bliss. We have to give vibration. Very important to remember that that our realization is as much that divine experience that we feel within our hearts, within our beings, as it is the divine experience that we give to others. One time at the close of a meditation, he said, thank you for being. And that really sums it all up, because the spiritual path, claiming God's presence as our own, we think so much about doing and going after it, and trying to magnetize it to ourselves. But it's really just about being in that, being in that divine presence and being willing, willing to be, to try to be a channel for that divine presence for others.